Welcome to the official unofficial podcast dedicated to Eastern Washington athletics. This is the Eagles Power Hour, an affiliate member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. Introducing your hosts, standing at a staggering 5 foot 10 inches tall. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's just that idiot who thinks it's a great idea to paint his chest in 10 degree weather for an Eastern Washington football game. Now, based out of Houston, Texas, Kyler Neal. The other host is a local firefighter. He saves kittens by day. Talks EWU sports by night. He is six foot two without heels and has a vertical of 32 inches. Based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yours and my favorite Eagles Power Hour host, Rusty Kramer. Without further ado, here it is the greatest podcast in the big sky the Red Turf Repping Eagles Power Hour. Eagles Nation. We are live and back at you with another episode of the Eagles Power Hour. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Neal. With me, I got my buddy, my chief, uh, my partner in crime. I don't know why I said chief, but we'll we'll roll with it. You know, chief of whatever. Uh, Rusty Kramer, Mr. Mr. Fireman, pandemic guy. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. Your your intros from week to week are just very entertaining. So my goal this episode for all the listeners out there is to not put my mouth next to the mic because it sounds extremely loud. So I'm going to try to do everybody a solid that's listening. Yeah, so, you know, you get a little excited um, and then you like to yell, but it, you know what? That's what makes you so much fun. You get excited. But guys, don't worry. It's not just uh, Rusty and Kyler today. With us, we are, we're kind of, you know, you might have heard it with an Idaho State podcast, you know, not too long ago. Then we did an Idaho podcast with Tubbs of the Club. Today, we are continuing that, and we are doing a podcast on Northern Arizona. They are the Lumberjacks out of the big sky down south in Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, my old home of Arizona. So, you know, I, I have a little bit of love and hate with them. Um, they're fun to beat, but overall, it's it's a great program. They got a lot of things to be proud of. But with us today is a, re- a sports reporter from the Arizona Daily Sun. We have Lance Hartzler. Lance, how you doing, man? I'm great, guys. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, you know, when you jumped on, um, I was like, man, last time I talked to you is during the, you know, Big Sky Big Takes podcast where we had is probably you, myself, a guy from Idaho, and then a guy at Montana all duking it out on a debate style. Yeah, that was fun, man. I don't remember exactly what we talked about, but I remember saying incredibly stupid things. Hey, I mean, <laughs> that, that is what most podcasts are for. You know, you can just kind of say whatever comes off um, the top of your head, and then, you know, if it sucks or if you said something stupid, you can't take it back. <laughs> <laughs> But, but hey, man, so we appreciate you jumping on again. We want to do um, and this this podcast, you know, we'll talk a couple things about Eastern Washington, but this is going to be an, a northern Arizona um, focused podcast. And, you know, before we take it away, Rusty, you know, do you have anything to add or do you want to just let's get the ball rolling and, you know, start start trying to punk Lance here? <laughs> well, I, I'll be punking myself. So no, let's, let's just jump right into it. Let's uh, I mean, we just finished with the basketball season and I feel like, I mean, it's April and there's already tons of basketball news going on right now, which we'll dive into throughout the podcast. But uh, let's just do a little season recap of 
Northern Arizona season, I mean, they went 16 and 14 overall. They were 10 and 10 in conference. They went on a three game losing streak towards the end of the season. They lost to Idaho State uh, in the Big Sky tournament there at the end. Uh, they're 10 and 5 at home, 6 and 8 away, but they've had some uh, big losses in the offseason as well. But Lance, can you do like a little season recap for us? Kind of the early season, like predictions, what you thought. Uh, Northern Arizona was going to do and then kind of, you know, what they did throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, as we all know, they were running with interim, then interim head coach Shane Burkhardt just right after Jack Murphy decided to jump ship over to U of A, take a associate head coach job at, back at his alma mater. And, and then you had the pieces in the preseason to contend. And they frankly showed that and they played at a high level for most of the year. They ended it on a poor snide with three straight losses in the regular season, like you mentioned, and losing to Idaho state. And the 6-11 matchup was just not good at all. Not a great way to end the season. It was really disappointing for the team. But they showed progress. They were a team that was really in the dumps the past five years as a program. Not a lot of wins. Not a lot of bright spots. This year they showed a lot of bright spots. But like you mentioned, two of those bright spots decided to leave the program. Yeah, that's uh, that. See, that's the the tough part right there. And did you see that coming at all? And especially Cameron uh, Satterwhite and going to Montana. That's out of all the teams to go to in conference, which going in conference is rare itself, but to going to Montana, who's already young, who's already a talented team. And also Bernie and Andre. Uh, I mean, just two pretty, I mean, they're pretty good players. So uh, that, that that's pretty tough loss. Yeah, I was surprised by Cam Satterwhite. Andre, I kind of expected him to maybe look elsewhere. He has jumped, he's kind of bounced around in his college career. I believe Vermont is where he's going. I believe that's going to be his third place. He's played basketball at the college level, counting Juco. So he's bounced around. And Cam Satterwhite as well, Montana being his third now. He originally was at Loyola Chicago before transferring over to NAU. I was surprised by him, especially considering it being in conference. That is always surprising, just like uh, Moscan, who transferred over to Weaver State. You never expect a guy to go in conference like that, especially NAU to Montana. There's some animosity between those programs stemming from Jack Murphy's days with the. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I can definitely tell that. So, I do have a quick question um, because you mentioned at the beginning when you started talking. NAU, you know, the last five years has kind of been in the dumps when it comes to a basketball program. You know, they've had seasons of nine wins, five wins. You know, it was something like that. And then all of a sudden this year they came out of the blue and, you know, they have a winning record, um, a first year basically head coach, the interim coach that stepped up. What can you attribute to, you know, the quick change, um, you know, for NAU basketball? Because in my opinion, that is a pretty drastic change from what we've been seeing in the past. And from here on out, I mean, besides maybe some of the transfers, you know, basketball at NAU looks promising in the future. I think it was obviously, I think it was honestly Shane Burkhardt, their interim head coach, who's now kept on full time. He proved enough to keep this rolling to get a full time gig now. I think it's the culture he built as he came in and was given the job in June, very late into the offseason. He set the expectations for this team early. And they bought in. Even the guys that left, Andre and Satterwhite, they bought in. They were in with this program. They just want greener pastures elsewhere, but they didn't. I asked them on record about it, and they didn't attribute anything to Burkhardt. They said they loved the guy, no hard feelings. They just wanted to go elsewhere. Burkhardt built a culture, and he got guys to buy in. He's got the talent around it and the scheme to make it work. The question now going forward is how do you sustain it? Because they lost not just those two transfers, Brooks to Bishop in all-conference big, 
who was arguably one of the most versatile big guys in the Big Tech Conference this past year, was the key to their offense. He was their best passer. They ran a lot of offense through him at the high post as like a kind of an NBA equivalent of Nikola Jokic for Denver. They kind of did that type of stuff with Brooks. So now the offense is going to look a bit different. They don't have that big thing, just throw the ball to the high post. Now point guard Cameron Shelton, who again broke out as a sophomore, all-conference guard, one of the better young players in the big sky right now, he might have to do a lot more next year, along with Luke Abdalovich, one of the better three-point shooters in the league. But those guys are going to be keyed on a lot more without Satterwhite, Andre, DeBishop, Ted McCree, to a lesser extent, who transferred midseason. Yeah, that, that's kind of the big question for NAU because we, we know about the transfers of what they've lost production-wise. I mean, Bernie Andre was averaging 11.2 points per game, 6.6 rebounds per game. I mean, the last time they played Eastern, he had 17 points and nine rebounds. And Cameron Satterwhite was averaging 19, or I'm sorry, nine points per game. And then Brooks to Bishop. I mean, that's big guys are hard. Talented big guys are hard to come by in the big sky. I mean, he was averaging 12 points per game. 8.1 rebounds per game and just watching that last game uh, against Eastern at Eastern. I mean, he is just such a talent. He's able to position himself just right and download I me. Mean, he's a somewhat somebody you have to constantly worry about uh, on the opposing team. So that's kind of replacing that production uh, going in this incoming season is going to be pretty difficult. Did, did, does Northern Arizona, have they signed anybody yet? So they have, we just had national five. signing day. Yeah, so they haven't signed anyone as of today, but they had their recruiting class already set from the early signing period. They had a chunk of guys actually come in. They had a a trio of freshmen and then a transfer from Cal Baptist, Carson Tout, who's a local kid from the Valley. But they had three other kids, two point guards and one 6'8", kind of versatile forward in the mold of Bernie Andre. So they don't have any real bigs, though, to replace Brooks, so to say, because none of these guys are passers like he was. They have two scholarships left to fill, according to Shane Burkhardt. He told me a couple about a week or two ago. And they're looking to fill those spots, but they're not going to rush it as of now when we're recording this podcast. So things could change. Who knows what they're going to do. The transfer market is wide open, as we've seen. There's a lot of guys still available to pick from. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I hope that NAU stays as is, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, I mean, we all hope that, you know, they, they're able to kind of reload, getting ready to go next season. And just talking reloading, uh, you know, National Signing Day was just yesterday. Um, Eastern's just signed a trio of players. I mean, we just lost Mason Peatling, who's averaging, you know, almost a double-double, the Big Sky MVP. So production-wise alone, that's that's kind of hard to do. And my, my uh, you know – thought process when it comes to this is just you have to kind of develop your guys and we we have a, a bunch of studs getting ready to continue to do their thing i mean tanner groves is going to get a lot more playing time coming this uh next season he's only averaging 10 minutes per game averaging 5.5 points per game and three rebounds per game so he's going to see a huge boost uh in time on the court and just um He's going to see a lot more action when it comes to on the court. Jacob Groves averaging six and a half minutes per game. But talking about the three guys that Eastern just signed, and I'm going to butcher their names, and I apologize about this, but <laughs> Moo Dumbol, he's a 6'3 guard from Seattle, Washington. He was an All-State recipient, uh, averaging 18 points per game, eight rebounds per game, five assists. Coach Legg said that, you know, Bull's just an elite scorer at all three levels. Man, I tell you what, watching – 
a good amount of film on him and just highlight videos. He's a very long six, three, but just watching that, that video of him and he's just giving a hundred percent on the offensive side and on the defensive side, he's just flying around and he's a pretty good, you know, spot up shooter, uh, even with pressure in his face. So it's going to be pretty exciting to see him, uh, hit the court, uh, and he's going to be providing production for Eastern for years to come. And then Isaiah Amoto, Amamoto, I'm sure, 6'5 guard out of Portland, Oregon, averaging about 15 points per game and five assists. He was a Mount Hood Conference Defensive Player of the Year. And then uh, Victor Radachai, a 6'9 forward from British Columbia, a very versatile player. He has very quick feet, man. He he just he needs to spend some more time in the weight room to get some more weight on him, weight on his body. But he can play inside, outside. He's going to be a huge matchup problem for a lot of teams. Uh, he's also, I mean, he's a two-way player, so he's going to cause a lot of problems not only on the offensive side of the ball, but also on the defensive side of the ball. So it should be pretty exciting to see those three players in uh, East Washington uniform. But again, just we were just talking to Mason last week and just looking at what we lost with Mason Peeling, the big sky MVP, but with Kassan Rouse and Ellis Magnuson starting to fire on all cylinders. We had Jacob Davison, Tanner Groves going to get some more playing time and Kim Aiken Jr. I mean, it, it should be a pretty interesting season for the Eastern Eagles. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about, you know, our future at Eastern Washington. Um, but Lance, I want to, go a little bit off topic. I mean, it's still about NAU basketball, so it's not too much off topic on this podcast, but your guys's last game, you know, was against Idaho state in the big sky tournament, you know, arguably one of the worst teams, you know, just the whole state of Idaho was basically awful at basketball <laughs> and NAU. Yeah, we can laugh at that because it is so true. Um, they were the worst, but my, my, my question to you is how do you feel? Because I, I will give my opinion after, but how do you feel that every single team is invited to postseason play in the Big Sky Tournament? I was just going to ask like this it. question too. Ugh. I really love it. I'm a college basketball sucker. I grew up with this stuff. I love, like, if I wasn't the NAU beat writer, I would have honestly enjoyed watching an 11 seed knock off a team like NAU in the conference tournament. That's fun. And oh man, <laughs> full context Idaho State was the worst matchup for NAU. I said it before they drew them that that possibility was the absolute worst. They played each other to one overtime game and another one that almost went OT in the regular season. For whatever reason, Idaho State just had NAU's number. They were the worst possible matchup because they play small, they play a little quick and hectic. They're just an issue. And I said that well before the Big Sky Conference turning, so I just want to toot my own horn and say I was dead on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so Rusty, what's your opinion? Then we'll get to my opinion um, since I'm the one who asked the question. But what's your opinion now? We, You know, we got Lance's and he says he absolutely loves it, you know. Um, but what's your opinion, Rusty? I listen, life's not fair. OK, and I don't think every single team should be going to, to the tournament. Uh, I mean, we had Idaho State, who was four and 16, going to the tournament. Idaho is four and 16. Uh, conference play. Uh, yes, Idaho State beat Northern Arizona, but you, I mean, it pays to be a winner. I, I think the best team should be uh, in the tournament. I, I think there should be, some, I mean, you can't just lose every single game and still get an opportunity to go to the big dance. It just does not make sense in Rusty's brain. Yeah, no, I, I'm more with you um, because let, let's play on this Idaho State. They just beat it Northern Arizona. 
Then they come by and they whoop up a couple other teams. And then they play Eastern Washington in the big side championship game. And they beat us. We have one of the worst teams in all college basketball representing our conference in the big dance now. And that would make our conference look just <laughs> so pathetic when Idaho loses to Duke um, or Gonzaga, who, yeah, Gonzaga would be the number one seed when they lose to Gonzaga 150 to 12. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's the type of matchup we would get. So how I prefer it, you know, I wish, you know, the top six, six seeds would go. So, one and one and two, you know, they have their buy games and then um, the other four duke it out. Um, I would prefer that. But like Lance says, you know, it does make it interesting. I know we all watch March Madness because of the potential upsets because it's fun storylines. So, you know, in that sense, up, you know, the underdogs are great. But man, I would just be so embarrassed if one of those teams ended up pulling it out, having a historic run and they had zero Zero or, or like Idaho State's case, four wins on the season, four conference wins, and then they're the ones representing our conference. Oh man, that would that'd make me so sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I don't know. I, I think I agree with you. I think you you got a good point there, Kyler, but it's always good to get a different perspective. But so Lance, let's look at a way too let's give a way too early prediction. Those are always fun. So Ooh, let's look at go. next season. So what what are the three teams are going to be your top three teams next season? So Eastern Washington is an absolute given. They got two of the best players returning in the conference and Davis and Ken Aiken. As much as it pains me to say it, I enjoy Eastern Washington, but also it, they're the powerhouse almost every year, year in, year out. So it kind of kills me to say that, but they are. As well as... You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think Weber State is a massive sleeper. I love what they just did to retool their roster in the offseason. Like, if you guys follow along to Brett Hine, he's the beat reporter for the Standard Examiner out there. He has put together a bunch of stories on what they've been able to do with the Weber State basketball team. They've reloaded with a lot of big-time transfers. I think they're going to be sneaky and could fight for a top spot in the conference. For that third one, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up because Southern Utah could be good. Montana's Montana. Montana State got some solid pieces. I think Northern I think Northern Colorado is going to fall off a lot, but they still could be something. You never know with a program like that. So I think it's a toss-up. I really can't tell you a third team. There's like four or five teams that are going to compete for that spot. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Eastern's definitely going to be competing for the top spot again, for competing for that Big Sky title. And I think Montana is going to be an absolute beast next year. I mean, really, they've only lost Kendall Manuel, uh, who, who is a solid player, and then obviously Saeed Pridget, who's also another solid player. But with that being said, man, they got Derek Carter Hollinger, who was a freshman this past season, and. This guy is an absolute uh, just baller. So, and it, yep. not to mention, they just got a transfer, which we we're talking about earlier in this podcast. I think uh, Montana's going to stay uh, legit. They're going to stay competing for the the Big Sky uh, title. And my third team, and I, I like your like your uh, Weber State pick, but I'm going to go with Montana State. Uh, I know they just lost uh, Harold Fry. Uh, do him graduating, but I think they got some pieces uh, in play that's going to make them pretty competitive uh, on the hardwood. Yeah, I mean, I don't think those are bad picks. I mean, if I had to do my top three, my early way to three, I mean, it'd be, I'm just going to go so basic. It, it's the three teams that have really caused the most problem in the big sky the last couple of years. It's Eastern Montana and Northern Colorado. Um, 
I mean, it's a very safe bet. Um, we'll see how it plays out next year, but it's always exciting. Rusty, did you have any more things to talk about on Eastern Washington basketball or not Eastern NAU basketball? Because we have Lance, who's an expert and can talk all sports. Uh, I think we hit basketball pretty well, unless Lance, you had anything you wanted to, to add, anything that we did not hit that you wanted to put your two cents on? No, nah, I think that just about does it when it comes to NAU basketball. I'm inter- interested to see how this offseason plays out for them because I don't think they're done. They have two, like I said, they got two scholarship spots to fill. They're not going to be too rushy with it, and they're going to take their time. So I'm just interested. I think NAU is going to be good next year, but they won't be quite as elite as they could have been if some of these guys kept on. Right. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, because NAU basketball has been, you know, the last five years, it's been down to see some type of positivity from NAU basketball this year under a first-year head coach, it's it's got to be exciting. I think NAU, for the long run, you guys can be a power. You're in a great market. You know, Arizona's got some ballers. California's oh, got some ballers. Oh, my gosh. Arizona you, is loaded with basketball talent, man. I've been following yeah. them out here for years. And that's their oh, best Yeah, the prep. The, their best recruit they got is a kid from Skyline High School, which is in the Valley near Phoenix. He's going to be a game-changer for this program down the line. And that's what Shane Burkhart brings to this program. He has ties to that area and he knows how to recruit it. And that's what people love about him. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, Northern Arizona is for the big sky. It is a big school. I mean, for, for maybe the lower end D one conferences overall, Northern Arizona is a big school. You guys are no slouch when it comes to, you know, you bring someone on your campus, they're going to be wowed. Um, it looks like a college campus. It's not like some of the smaller schools. Um, so overall, like Northern Arizona could be a sleeping giant when it comes to basketball. And it looks like they may have a coach that's finally pushing them in the right direction. So overall, I'm excited to see what Northern Arizona has in the future. You know, I don't think many Eastern players have any ill will towards Northern Arizona. You guys are not the Grizz. So we do not, you know, <laughs> we don't hate you. Um, and you're not, you're not Portland state who, you know, they want to be a rival and we're just like, yeah, you know, and you're not Idaho. Those, those players are just gross. Hold up. Portland state tries to do what? <laughs> so you can ask any Eastern Washington, either player or fan, you know, Portland state considers Eastern their main rival. And we're just like, eh, you know, they're, they're just there. Um, we have a really cool rivalry name, the damn cup, but over <laughs> overall, they're just, they're not really a rival or a true rival. In my opinion, you know, we like the Montana's we like the Montana States and we like, you know, beating up on Idaho. It's like, those, those are the three that we just hate. And then it's like, Oh, Portland state, you guys are cute. <laughs> you know, that's my opinion of them. But, um, Hey, so first Lance, let me congratulate you guys. This is way off topic, but NAU, maybe we'll spend just two, two minutes covering this. NAU just won another national championship in, in just the NCAA. So we're not just talking about, you know, um, FCS where it's, you know, the lower division of D one. We're talking about the full NCAAs and, NAU is a complete powerhouse in cross country. So I just wanted to say congrats on behalf of all the big sky teams. I don't care if anyone else doesn't want to congratulate you. I'll say on behalf of all big sky teams, NAU cross country is making our conference legit. Oh man. The, as well as the distance guys from cross country also carry their track and field program. Unfortunately, as we all know, the indoor track and field national championships was cut short at the same time as the big sky conference tournament for basketball. 
NAU had a legit chance to win that as well. And they were about to make themselves known in the track and field yeah. world because of a loaded crop of distance guys that are just phenomenal athletes and people. Yeah, it's impressive what you guys do. And, you know, I do think you guys have um, a little bit of a, I guess, a cheat code aspect of your cross country team. Like you guys are training minimum at 7,000 feet. And then, you know, you go up in the San Francisco peaks up there and then you you can train at 12,000 feet. Yep. Not a lot of teams can train at that, you know, um, elevation and, and really build up that endurance. But man, you guys are doing it awesomely. And um, I got to just say congratulations on behalf of Big Sky Football, or not Big Sky Football, on behalf of Big Sky Conference. You know, any type of national recognition we can get, we'll take it. And NAU, man, you guys are the pinnacle when it comes to track, when it comes to cross country. And I just got to say congrats, man. You can tell everyone at NAU that there's an Eastern guy who is being nice. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't happen too often. But hey, let's let's talk about, you know, our at least my favorite sport. I don't know if it's yours, Lance. It, I'm I'm going to assume it is and if it's not, then oh well. Um we're going to pretend it, it is. It, it probably let's... is. I'm a, I'm a basketball guy. <laughs> oh, you are okay. So yeah. I like I like March Madness over everything. You know, March Madness is my number one sports month. But as a whole, I I like football. You know, okay. I am Football, football is my go-to. So let's do a quick recap of NAU football 2019. Um, you guys had first first-year head coach Chris Ball. Um, this is one of your, I want to say, you know, one of your more recent down years from what I remember. You guys are always typically a middle of the pack type of Big Sky team um, with you know potential to be up there in the top tier. But you guys had a little bit of a. a rough spot this year um and it was not due to your offense <laughs> we'll talk about that offense in a little bit but you guys finished overall four and eight um but just two and six in conference under you know first year head coach um chris ball and you guys end up losing arguably your best quarterback of all time this year case cookus who has been with your guys's program for a bare minimum of 12 years it feels like <laughs> how yeah, you're like, yeah, it's you're, that's probably pretty accurate. It's, it's accurate, man. I feel like I, I'm pretty sure Case Cogus and I started college the same year, and I graduated in 2018, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say he's he's been around forever. Um, one of one of my favorite Eastern Washington people, Kelsey Hatch. She's her her first memory of Case Cookus is you know when he came up to Roost Field as a freshman, and he beat us wearing those gold cleats. You know what a what a jerk wearing gold cleats on our red turf and just whooping us. Uh, but you know, case Cookus was an absolute stud. What can you attribute to maybe this year? Because you guys did return quite a bit of offense. You lost, you know, your number one receiver Butler. Um, but why was NAU such, why did you guys have such a down year when your offense was, you know, among the top in the nation, man, if you ask Chris ball, that question, he'll tell you immediately. The defense was rough. I've asked yeah. him that question as well. The defense was bad, frankly. It was near the bottom of the big sky across the board. You can't really find a category that he did very well in. And it attributes that to a lot of things. Injuries, players deciding to leave the program during the season, which happened a lot. And there was a lot of mid-season transfers and departures to very key-name guys that had been all-conference players like Jalen Goss, Taylor Powell, very well-known guys across the big sky. And then you got injuries, guys like Anthony Sweeney, Khalil Dorsey. They lose time and they get hurt, and that leaves freshmen playing major snaps in the defensive backfield. 
shoot, they even had a running back, Jacob Mpunji, had to be converted over to corner, and now he's playing DB full-time. He was a redshirt freshman running back, now playing corner, starting games. Another guy, Nate Perkins, who I think had his position changed five times in the past year, went from wide out to run, went from DB to wide out back to DB because of all the injuries and departures. This team was just decimated defensively, and it killed him. It was Case Cookus in the offense could only do so much to carry this team when the defense was just lacking in a in a conference where you got so many teams that have offensive higher powerhouses. Yeah, so. I will definitely, you know, I'll say this to you because it's better to not talk behind people's backs. And I say this all the time about NAU football this last year, um, or I've said it all the time. This was probably one of the worst defenses I have ever seen um, since I started following, you know, Big Sky football, um, you know, 2007-ish. Overall, this is one of the worst, worst defenses I've ever seen. But it, it's so crazy because your offense was so good. Um, but yeah, like defensively, just this quarterback, Mason Petrino, you guys made him look like a god. And you know, when when he played against Eastern, he looked he looked good, but he did not look godlike. And we had one of the one of the more worst performances against Idaho. But he threw 500 yards. Oh yeah, six I touchdowns, <laughs> rushed for 65, and had another touchdown. Like as good as Case Cookus is, man, and, and Case Cookus, you know, he was in that game. You guys absolutely you scored at will. Um, but man, when Mason Petrino looks godlike, that's when, you know, there's, there's a little bit of issues and it definitely was on the, um, defensive side, which was kind of a bummer because overall, man, NAU was a fun team to watch. You guys were able to light up a majority of teams. Um, people couldn't figure out your passing system. My, my, my guess was, you know, you could have probably won more games if NAU was a little more balanced. You guys were very pass heavy, like Eastern was in. 2016 but our defense was just a little bit better than you guys and we had we had cooper cup who could bail us out whenever we needed um but you know overall i think if you guys would have just maybe rushed it a little more um and then got some stops nau could have been a completely different team so that's exciting to see in the in the future but i know rusty has something to say right now as well yeah, I mean, just I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, NAU is definitely a fun team to watch. I mean, they're second in the big sky and averaging 37.2 points per game. Uh, Offense-wise, they're second in the big sky, just behind Eastern, averaging about 482 yards per game. But on the other side of the ball, uh, they were on the bottom of both categories, scoring defense, allowing just over 41 points per game. And then defense-wise, man, they're averaging about allowing 527 yards per game. So when you have uh, Mace Petrino coming and taking the field and putting up Madden-like numbers, it's just it, it's it's hard for the offense to overcome that for sure. So and especially you know losing Case Cook is who I means he threw for over 4,000 yards this past season. I mean that's an absolute you know stud. So that's gonna be a, a big. Uh, avoid that NAU is going to have to figure out. Oh man. Yeah. So let, Oh yeah. So you can go Lance. I was, I was going to say, you know, um, speaking of case cookies, let's dive into, you know, what that loss means of him, you know, since he is finally graduating and what, what does NAU do next year? I know you guys have a lot of athletes and you have a lot of talent. Um, you know, Eastern just a couple years ago was, you know, a team that saw NAU have a lot of talent when we were playing at the, um, NAU dome, or the walk-up Sky Dome, I believe it's called. 
And we were actually beating Case Cookus pretty easily. Um, you know, we prepped well for him and then all of a sudden he got injured and your guys is back up from, I think he was a transfer from UW. He ended up torching us and, you know, you guys made it a, a fairly close game at the end. Um, so I, we all know NAU has athletes, but yeah, what, how, what is the importance of losing case cookies to your team, especially this year when you were so pass happy? Um, and what does that do for your team next year? Well, first off, real quick, I just want to say, I'm pretty sure I said it on the Big Sky Big Takes podcast before the Idaho game, that NAU was going to make Mason Petrino look like a god. So, again, I will correct. But, yeah, we, we, we can always joke about it, but then when it actually happens, we're like, oh, crap. Yeah, that was, that was NAU's defense last year. They made bad quarterbacks look really, really good. So, you guys have yeah. that pretty well. But, yeah, replacing Case Cookus is a problem. And, fun fact, he broke his collarbone twice in his career, both against Eastern Washington. Fun fact. You're welcome. <laughs> once at home, once away, I believe, or maybe both at home. Yeah, I was typically. I was at um one of the games, I believe. Um, I think they were both at they, NAU, though. They were 2016 and 2018. Yeah, because Blake Kemp took over in 2016, and in 2018, the guy you remember from UW was Daniel Bridge Gad. Yeah, yeah. So I was at that 2016 game because I was living in Arizona at the time. So, you know, we drove up there. Um, there was a, actually a good amount of Eastern fans, surprisingly, for, you know, how far of a trip that is. Um, and, you know, Cooper Cup made an insane catch behind the back. But, yeah, we that was one of the the games where Case Cookus, you know, unfortunately got injured. Yep. But, yeah, so replacing him is going to be a problem. And we mentioned Daniel Bridge Gad is an interesting name that we just brought up. He was with supposed to be with the program last year, but ran into some academic issues. He opened up on social media about a couple months ago about his depression. And he is a name mm. that we all expected to potentially see in spring football. But now that spring football isn't happening, we don't know for certain because he was supposed to supposedly going to get a shot at the roster. And he could have walked in as one of the better quarterbacks. We don't know exactly what NAU's quarterback room looks like because it's a lot of guys that haven't gotten D1 snaps with one exception, yeah. and that's Keandre Woodtee, who is a transfer from Oklahoma State who was on the roster last year. He transferred over last summer from OK State, but he really didn't play much because, you know, Case Cookus was healthy and he was the quarterback all year. You're not going to see Woodtee really at all. He's less of a passer, yeah. so he goes into what you mentioned. Maybe the NAU switches their scheme to more run, but they have such a good crop of wide receivers, arguably the best trio in the big sky with Brandon Porter, Hendricks, Johnson, Stacy, and Stacy Chuck Wumezi, that you have to throw the ball because these wideouts are just so good. Yeah, and I believe this year you guys signed um, another pretty stud wide receiver. He was, you know, one of the six A number one receivers in Arizona or something like that. You know, he had the most yards or something in six A, yes. or yes, maybe that. In space on the kid's name, but they definitely signed a really good wideout out of the valley. Yeah, it, it was it was impressive, um, and that takes me more to you know, NAU's class. Let's, let's talk about NAU's recruiting in class a little bit. Um, do you follow recruiting as a whole or are you kind of more, you focus on them once they're playing um, and all that jazz? I try to keep an eye out it, especially when it comes to the Arizona guys that they recruit. Cause I know a lot of my readers care about that. And that's kind of NAU's calling card that they've been trying to hash out is their ties to Arizona recruiting. So I do my best. Okay. I'm not really good at it, so to say, but I do my best cause I got some good contacts in the Valley that helped me out. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one, a couple of the players that, you know, peek out to me, of course. So I was living in um, Chandler, Arizona at the time. And, you know, whenever you get a guy from Chandler or um, 
Sawara. And what was the other one? In, yeah, what was the other school? Hamilton. Hamilton. Um, I believe yeah. it was Hamilton. You know, th- they, those they, are like three of those big. They've taken a bit of a drop off, but still, yeah, they have the name. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I was living there, you know, it was, I think Chandler and Hamilton and those two schools are, you know, maybe five miles apart at most. Yeah. They played in the state championship together. So I was like, yeah, Chandler had some some good teams overall. Um, but but yeah, so there's um, Nehemiah Magali. He looks like he's going to be an absolute stud. He's already a big kid, which sometimes that makes me nervous. Sometimes um, sometimes it works out just well. But he's already 300 pounds. You know, he's he's six foot. Sometimes you know you want them to be a little smaller so then they can develop after you redshirt him. You know, p- pack on some college muscle. But this kid's a stud. Um, and I could see him making maybe not immediate impact by a freshman, but, you know, be being a three year starter. But then you also have a kid from Bishop Gorman who I don't know if you guys remember watching QB one. Um, you know, that's that big school in Nevada. That's ranked number one in the nation. They were ranked number one for multiple years. But um, you grab Brian. Um, he is an inner linebacker. He looks to be an absolute beast. I actually watched some of his tape today, um, you know, just see what 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 some of your recruits look like and i was like oh man this guy he he could be a tank and um he's already he's already pretty college ready in my mind you know he'll probably be if we have a football season already 225 230 as as a pure freshman so you guys have some pretty good recruits from what i've seen but what's your overall thoughts on this class and is there any standout names to you that you we can. should be looking out for in the next couple of years yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. Those guys that you mentioned, and even a couple other guys like Ty Kaysen out of Saguaro, they really targeted bigger players. Chris yeah. Ball and Jerry Partridge, NAU's defensive coordinator, they joked during the unveiling of this recruiting class that they realized that they're very small and that they needed bigger guys because a lot of those injuries were a result of just having guys that are a bit smaller or a little underweight for what this offense and what this coaching staff wanted. They recruited big kids, like really big high school athletes that you don't always yeah, see the type of size coming into an AU size school. No, there, there's another kid. Um, and I think you even said him, but yeah, he's like a running back and he's, he's already two thirty. He's six, two, six, three. He was uh, a freaking he tank. <laughs> he's a freaking tank. And then you throw in some of the other athletes, a guy that I really liked that they got was out of uh chaparral high school in the Valley, Candom Hightower. He's a defensive back, tall and lanky kid. He's a stud athlete and a good kid, according to the coaching staff. He's one of those players that can easily develop at defensive back and become one of their stalwarts that they've kind of been lacking since that dreaded defensive backfield a couple years ago with Wes Sutton, Cameron Johnson, Khalil Dorsey, that stud backfield that was one of the best in the conference. They got some kids that can walk in and kind of bring that back to prominence. Chris Ball's a defensive coach. They can anchor that back line of that three, four defense. Yeah. And just, you know, another name that you've already hit on just to kind of reemphasize, you know, Ty Case and six, three, two sixty five offensive lineman. I mean, he was number three on hero sports, top recruits in the big sky. Cause he got offers from Washington state, Arizona state, Louisville. He had two G five offers. Uh, hero sports had, uh, Northern Arizona number five on their recruit ranking and two, four, seven had, uh, Northern Arizona's number five ranking as well, just for whatever it's worth. But uh, I mean, they're kind of seem like kind of more middle of the pack in regards to recruiting. But once you get, you know, those recruits are actually on the team, you're actually able to, you know, develop the players and get them into the system. That's when, 
you know, the, the true, uh, the true story will be able to be told. So should be pretty interesting. Exactly. Another name that I just found that I forgot to mention Tyson Grubbs. He's out of Phoenix desert Vista high school. He was kind of a smaller guy, 5'10", 190, but he is kind of your quintessential scat back that works well in a passing scheme like NAU. They love their running backs. I can catch the ball out of the backfield. Joe Logan, who graduated this past year along with Case Cook, is a very underrated graduation and loss for NAU. He did a lot for them as a pass-catching running back. They're going to need to replace that, and this kid can help fill that void right away, according to some of the 247 and uh, high school sports scouts down in the valley that i know ralph amsden's one of them cody cameron i don't know if you guys know these names they love this kid and they have told me that like nau's class is really talented they got some of the best of arizona has to offer that they weren't quite good enough for that power five level but they could have landed elsewhere d1 and landing at neu fcs level that's mad. no yeah I, i'm excited to see you know um what nau can do in terms of of course like for these guys besides maybe you know ty Kaysen um and tyrese grubbs like you just mentioned and a couple of these guys we probably won't see a lot of them on the field a lot of them will probably redshirt which i think is um important eastern washington does a good job on redshirting as many people as we can because you know there's not a lot of people who are d1 ready right out of high school you know it takes a it takes a little bit to learn a new system to bulk up and to be really confident on the field so my, my guess is we'll see most of these kids within a couple of years, but yeah, there there's some definitely beasts that NAU got. So it'll be exciting to see them play. So we, we covered case cookies, you know, that was the, the main guy who left that everyone in the FCS, not just the big sky knew of, you know, he was, he could potentially even be drafted. You know, he is that type of a quarterback. He's a little tall. I think he needs to bulk up a little bit, but you know, he's got kind of a Jared Goff size. Um, but you know, he has potential. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, besides, I'm sure Case Cookus knows that, you know, um, where the sun sets and rises, unlike Jared Goff on that Hard Knocks episode. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I was like, oh, man, really? You guys drafted this guy, number one? He doesn't even know where the sun goes. But hey, so where where are kind of some of the other, um, I guess, positions that NAU lost last year coming into this next year? Did you guys have a fairly large class that graduated? And if so, how many were starters? And where are going to be those, you know, position groups that you guys really need to improve next year? Well, remember how I mentioned those mid-season departures? Yeah, most of those were seniors. So they kind of already lost those guys during the year. So a good okay. chunk of what they lost had already left. So they were running a lot of underclassmen, a lot of guys who hadn't seen many snaps defensively. Offensively, they didn't really graduate that much outside of Case Cook is Joe Logan, which I say not much, but those are their most productive players. Joe right. Logan, I think, led the team in touchdowns other than Case Cookus. And obviously, Case Cookus is the program's all-time leading passer across the board almost. Yeah, they lost a lot. And just between those okay. two. And they also lost Cole Habib, who is one of their more consistent offensive linemen. He was about 6'5", 300, big dude. He came back this year after an injury the past year, and he was solid. He's not amazing as an offensive lineman, but he was much improved than he had been in the past. So replacing him is going to hurt but they should have the guys behind him to do so. Other than that, they really didn't lose much because a lot of it was already gone. The other big name is Khalil Dorsey, another big name in the big sky, all-conference defensive back, good corner. Losing him hurts because that defensive backfield was already pretty depleted and rough. So that's a spot they got to keep an eye on because NAU doesn't have that lockdown corner or lockdown defensive back that they haven't really – that they've 
that the defense had been known to have under Andy Thompson in the previous coaching staff. Right. So how, what, what's your outlook on Chris ball as a whole? Um, and then we'll dive into maybe the, the two season who you guys are playing and, and what your hopes um, are for that team going into the 20 season. But yeah. What, what was your thoughts about the first year of Chris ball? Honestly, it didn't go as well as everyone thought. This team had high expectations, but he did about as much as he could. He had some issues with players having off-field problems and disagreements with the coaching staff, so he had to make do with players leaving and coming and going or not agreeing with the coaching staff. Right. And they they put in their culture quick, and I think going forward, they should be all right. This past year was rough, but I think they should be all right if they could figure out how to replace Cookus and how to manage an offense under a different quarterback and actually succeed this time. Cause they've tried to do it a couple times the past couple years when Cookies got hurt, but now hopefully right. God forbid college football season doesn't happen as long as it does. And we're hoping that they get a full off season to actually get a quarterback trained up in the wings and figured out with Aaron Flugrad's offense. They could be good. I'm not saying they're going to win the biggest guy, but this team should be a 500 team. They have the talent offensively and they should be able to do it defensively. Yeah, no, I, I think so. Um, and then when you're actually looking at the 2020 schedule, you know, you guys have, I would say, you know, your out of conference schedule is actually pretty tough. You you'll know where you're gonna fit in the Big Sky after the first three teams you face. You know, you're gonna go to Arizona State. My guess is that's gonna be a loss. Um, but then you play South Dakota from the Missouri Valley, who They've had their ups and downs the last couple of years. They, they've kind of reflected a lot like NAU. They've had some really good offensive teams, um, and they you know have a little lackluster defense on some of the areas. But you guys get them in Flagstaff, and a team from the Dakotas going up to that elevation, it is tough to win in Flagstaff when you're not used to it. So you play South Dakota from the Missouri Valley, um, you'll get a good feel for how good NAU could potentially be in the season. And then you go up to Cheney, which. Yes, that's you play Eastern Washington. It's a big sky team, but that's not a big sky game. That is our out of conference game because, of course, as you know, and I'm sure most of the listeners know, we do not get to play every single team because our conference is way too dang big. So yes, NAU and it. yeah, so NAU and Eastern they they called each other and was like, hey, we at least need to schedule a home and away, um, which I love that we're able to do that. So you you have a really tough first three games but it's a good first three games to get a picture of where you're going to be at in the next year. And then diving into big sky play. The first three games I think are very winnable um, to where you have a good shot. Your NAU is setting themselves up for a potentially good run. You play Northern Colorado. Um, they have their own quarterback issues that they lost and, you know, they've been kind of a lackluster D one program. Then you play Idaho state and Southern Utah. Those are all three very winnable games to put you into, you know, the next couple, which, at the end of the day, you got a pretty brutal stretch after those three. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The Northern Colorado game, I feel like, could be a trap game. Ed McCaffrey, that's his opening Big Sky game. It could be big for that first-year head coach to show what he can do at Northern Colorado. A lot of people that I've talked to think that program's a sleeping giant. I don't buy it. I don't really know, but that's what people say. Then you get Wait, who, who's saying it's a sleeping giant? I just saw it all floating around Twitter when the dude got hired. I'm not putting, I'm not naming names. Some people think this program's a sleeping giant. I don't get how they've been garbage as long as I can remember. I don't know. Not, not so, yet. Not, 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 not yet. But I got a question for you, Lance. So someone on this podcast, not named Rusty, said that Ed McCaffrey was a quote, a sexy hire. Do you buy or sell that? 
He's sexy in the name that you know he's Ed McCaffrey. I don't know. If yeah. He, I, don't know if he I don't really know what he can do, but yeah, it's a cool name. Recruits will probably buy that, but that's all I can think of. Yeah, it's a, it's just how I said it. He's trying to make fun of me, Lance, but you know what? I'll own up to it. What I said was Ed McCaffrey is a sexy clickbaity hire. Yeah, he could I end up being really good. We don't know, but you know, there's there's a lot left to the imagination with Ed McCaffrey. But guess what? He's developed his family. He is an athlete. He can get big time recruits because he can you know push some of his NFL weight around. So I think it's a clickbaity hire. But yes. I 100% said it's a sexy hire. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be a successful hire. There's a difference. Two S's are not the same. Um, but but yeah, anyone who's saying Northern Colorado is going to be a powerhouse because of that hire, I'm going to kick them all in the face. Um, one, thing, one thing I will say is Northern Colorado is actually a really good athletic school. Um, you know, their football since they moved up to D one has been pretty awful, but they had success in D two. Um, overall, their basketball programs are good. Their women's sports are good. Their hockey team's good. Overall, Northern Colorado, if they just try, I don't, I don't even want to say try a little harder because it's not just trying, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with their last coach there for the nine years. He was just burdened with mediocrity on the field. Um, but if Northern Colorado can get together a couple winning seasons, I don't think they'll be a power, but I think they could. They have more potential than what they have shown since they joined D1. And it's because you just got to look at all of their other athletics. Um, and all their other athletics are actually pretty, pretty freaking good. Agreed. They have a good athletic program. Their football team just yes. so happens to be hot garbage. Garbage. Yeah, I'm glad we both said garbage um, because it's been 100% accurate. Northern Colorado has been pretty garbage, but... I want to get your thoughts on one of the games. Actually, I want, I want a couple of your thoughts. So um, first, let's talk about Cal Poly at the end of the day. That's your last season. Um, that's your last game. That could be a make or break it point of potentially playoffs because I think you guys could you know, beat Northern Colorado. You could beat Idaho State. You could beat Southern Utah. Sac State, they're returning a lot. That's going to be tough. Idaho, who knows what Idaho is going to be. I, I don't know week in and week out what Idaho is going to be. UC no, Davis is Petrino. He can't go off. Yeah. Yeah. Good. You don't, you don't want to play against a godlike quarterback, <laughs> but, but then you got, you know, Montana. Um, but the good thing is it's at Flagstaff. Um, but yeah, what's your thoughts on Cal Poly and them hiring like 40 Eastern, you know, former players and coaches. Do you think Cal Poly can turn it around right away? I don't know. Cause that's tough. Cause they're going from a triple option offense now. So that's just always funky in the first year. Whenever that happens, I think they can. Yeah. Those coaches they got are phenomenal coaches. As we all know, it's just a matter of, can they get the offensive scheme to flip, to not be the gimmicky triple option and make it work under a normal offensive scheme. So to say, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. So I will say like, I think Cal Poly has quite a bit of athletes, but they've just been shadowed by, um, by running the triple option. So you actually don't get to see what they truly have. But, you know, Hammer was a pretty good freshman quarterback. Um, of course, it was it was a running quarterback, but every time he had an opportunity to throw, which wasn't much, you could see potential. And under Bo Baldwin's system, I mean, he could flourish. We'll have to see. But that's like the most intriguing school, I think, in all the big sky the next couple of years is what's, what's Cal Poly going to do? 
um, and no one knows. They're kind of like Idaho where you don't know if they're going to be good or bad week in, week out. But Cal Poly has a lot of potential, and I'm excited to you see call, what they can do. Sorry, you called Ed McCaffrey a sexy hire. Bull Baldwin is just the phenomenal hire that came out of nowhere. Yeah, um, Bull Baldwin is beyond a sexy hire. He is a proven hire. Um, you know, Eastern Washington wasn't bad before Bull Baldwin came. We had some good years. We, you know, we went to, I think, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals a couple times, but he made Eastern Washington into the program that other teams in the big sky feared this whole last decade. Um, he, he changed the culture of our football program. Now, you know, when we go seven and five, I mean, Rusty could probably tell you Kyler gets pissed. Um, it's like, <laughs> Oh, most programs would love to have that on their down years. And I'm like, we just went seven and five. Screw this season. Screw these people. You know, I, I get a little upset. I'm a little spoiled now. Uh, but yeah, Bo Baldwin, great hire. Great hire overall. So with that being said, since we're already kind of doing our way too early predictions, uh, so <laughs> what's the record you got NAU for next season, Lance? I, I think they're going to be right around that five win range. Uh, I, I, so I have them going five and six this next season overall. What, what's your thoughts? I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I'm looking at one four. That's a win against UC Davis. I think they beat UC Davis at home. I got five and seven. I think they're gonna. I see five and seven because I don't think they beat Montana at home. Montana. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a Montana game in Flagstaff. They travel like no one's business. Apparently, they're everywhere in yeah. Arizona. I learned that when I was in college. It was weird, but yeah, I think five and seven is a legit mark. If I'm looking at my numbers right. I think you guys um, could potentially beat Montana at home. Um, yeah. You know, they lost they lost their Dalton Sneed. Um, I'm not sold that Montana is. I mean, under Bobby Houck, they're going to be good. I think they take a step backwards um, overall, and they'll still be good. They'll still be a playoff caliber type team. But I think NAU at home has a chance, especially on senior day. Yeah, but I think NAU has. I don't think five is is off. I um I think they'll do anywhere from five to six wins, um which you know after losing, um Case Cook is after having you know the season you guys had last year. That's not a bad record to have, um but yeah I, I'd say anywhere from five to six wins is probably what I'm guesstimating for for NAU and you'll probably win a game you shouldn't and you'll probably lose to a game you shouldn't as well. I think the game that they should lose that they're going to win is might be that Montana game, like you said, because I don't think they'd be favored in that game, but that easily at home senior day, they could play up and win that game. And yeah, there's no, they're not. Yeah. That state. That's a, that's one of the few of big sky play. That is like the one guaranteed loss. Well, they have a quarterback who's older than case cook is, which is crazy. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw their official Twitter account tweet out that he is still on the roster. So, yeah. Yeah. Kevin Thompson is like 32. I, I swear. You know, don't don't <laughs> don't quote me on it, but he's at least on his 8th year. I don't know what they're doing in the southern part of the Big Sky, but y'all are cheating. Uh, <laughs> that's why you get quarterbacks well, who get hurt cuz you can just get right, medical so, red shirts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um like 12 times. You know, you play Eastern Washington, you get your medical redshirt. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah, break, break your but hey, so <laughs> uh, we have um, there. There's one really big NAU fan, um, Casey, 
And, you know, he he's actually a good dude to talk to. Him and I have chatted a couple times on his EDU podcast. And, you know, he's a nice guy. Um, but, yeah, he's always like, yeah, you Eastern players, man. It's weird how only Case Cook has only got injured versus you guys. And um, I was like, yeah, but you got to remember also where he got injured. It was at NAU. And you guys are supposed to replace your turf every 10 years like we are. And it's been like 20 years since NAU replaced their turf. You know, I think you guys get a new one this year, no, but that, no. that's some it, it safety got, got hazard. <laughs> yeah, Case and Cook he was healthy hurt. No, for Case it. Cook got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt because he decided to run out of the pocket. Case Cook is a six foot three and slow as molasses. He shouldn't be running out of the pocket. Oh, actually, I got a. Let's talk about a Case Cookus story real quick because um, this this was one of like the craziest things I've ever seen, and we're going a little bit off topic, guys, but it's fun. Case Cookus. He was like Sunshine from, you know, remember the Titans. Besides, Sunshine didn't get a targeting call in case Cookus did against Montana. How do you feel about that whole play and how it went down? Because that was a couple years ago. We have never seen a quarterback get a targeting call. So that happened while I was in college. I wasn't the football beat writer, but I was still covering the team for my student newspaper. And I was talking to Cody Basher. He's the former beat writer in sports editor of the Daily Sun. And we look back on that. And we just laugh because it makes no sense in hindsight how he was called for targeting on that play. Nothing makes sense when you look back on the play. But still, Case Cookus, <laughs> only quarterback, first quarterback get called for targeting. Yeah, and I always just think of you know that game potentially <laughs> not for that. Yeah, you you guys had the game, and um, that was so that loss that that whole season was was kind of uh, made me mad. But I was like. That loss made it so Eastern Washington would jump, jump into the playoffs, but that still didn't happen. And you still got in the playoffs somehow. I was like, you bastards. Only we beat all the teams. You. by San Diego. Yeah, only. Well, yeah, that's just some. We don't want. Let's not talk about that. I feel embarrassed for you guys. <laughs> uh, but but no, after that play um, where, and it, you know, Case Cook has got ejected from the game from targeting. The only thing that, you know, appeared in my head was from Remember the Titans and and, you know, the the opposing coach was like, he injured my player. What are you going to do? And the guy's like, really? From a quarterback coach? Sit down. You know, <laughs> how are you going to call a targeting or anything on a quarterback? And it was just in that movie, you know, the ref was like, dude, it's a quarterback. We're not calling him for that. But in the big sky, you get called for it. So, <laughs> all right. So only before at, we. Only at Montana. Only, oh yeah, only at Montana. At least, you know, NAU and Eastern fans can rejoice together and talk crap about Montana. So no one's <laughs> no one's at a loss here. Uh, but hey, so you said NAU, you know, five and seven. What do you think the Big Sky as a whole looks? Because in my opinion, the last three years, the Big Sky has been improving every single year. And where we were maybe the third best conference pretty much all decade, we're really emerging ourselves as a top one, top two, and you can make arguments for either or at least the last couple of years, we've been a top one, top two. What do you think is the top tier programs of the big sky next year? And how many playoff berths do you think we'll get? Weber state, Eastern Washington, Sac State are the top three for me easy. And I think all three of those can make the playoffs. Like, to all me, right, you heard it here, folks. Shown- like Eastern Washington had a down year, so to say, last year, but they're they're at Eastern Washington. They should be all right. Sac State brings back so much. Weber State is Weber State. They play ugly. It doesn't matter who the crap plays quarterback for them because they play ugly and they don't throw the ball and they win games that way. 
<laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Weber pisses me off so much. And after they lost all their talent, and I think it was like in 2017, you know, I made a prediction. I was like, oh, Southern Utah and Weber State are going to suck this next year. Um, and well, everyone held on to it because they were... Yeah, because they were that they were the top two teams in the Big Sky that year, and I was like, "Oh man, they're both gonna suck next year." All of a sudden, Southern Utah is like the worst team of all time, and Weber State wins another Big Sky, and they just seem to reload and they make people play their ugly game. It's I, I don't like it. Um, they're not fun to watch, but man, Jay Hill is doing some amazing things over there. Um, but hey, man, so we're gonna close it out. We're you know reaching that hour. We gotta thank Lance. Uh, for jumping on the show and talking about NAU and Eastern Washington and, and, you know, having some laughs with us. But let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can harass you, um, you know, when Eastern Washington beats NAU next year. You know, where where can all of our fans give you as much crap as possible? Yeah, come yell at me for my bad opinions just on <laughs> anything on my Twitter <laughs> On my Twitter account, that'd be at Lance underscore H-A-R-T-Z. That's me on Twitter. You can find my stories on the Arizona Daily Sun website, cover NAU men's basketball, football. I also share a lot of terrible opinions. I get into fights about politics and just about anything you can think of. So if you want you want that on your Twitter feed, follow me. Awesome. And I got I got one last question for you, actually. So <laughs> oh, we're okay. closing it out. But are you going to start an NAU podcast and join our Big Sky Podcast Network because Lance, I gotta say, man, you talk eloquently. You know your stuff. It would be great to have NAU, um, you know, have a little bit of representation from Lance. Or is that, you know, since you are a sports reporter, or does that kind of, you know, clash? It's tough to do so time wise. I would love to do it, much like the guys at Idaho State do. I believe they have a pretty good podcast that's affiliated with their newspaper. So something in that vein is something I've thought about, but you know, I'm poor and I don't make a lot of money. So buying equipment is a pain, but maybe one day I'll start something. But for now I'm happy being guests on all your guys' podcasts. It's fun. Well, Hey, yeah. If, if you ever start one, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have you on um, Lance. I, I think you do a great job. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you just have to be a beat writer for NAU and we're going to keep beating you guys. But <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. We've had some good battles, um, but you know, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, thanks for letting us know where to find you. I'm going to peer pressure you, you know, every couple months to, to start your own NAU podcast. Cause I think it'd be amazing to listen to, but rusty, you can close us out uh, for the rest of the podcast, buddy. Yeah. Uh, again, just uh, echo what Kyler said, Lance, for thanks for coming on. When I sent a message on Twitter, he was more than happy to come on the podcast and talk some NAU football and basketball. But you can find us, Eagles Power, on Twitter at Eagles Hour. You can find me on Twitter at MidFourthRounder. And you can find Kyler on Twitter at KNeil underscore 88. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, Eagles Power Hour. You can also find us podcast-wise on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, uh, and Anchor. Make sure to rate and subscribe us. Leave a comment. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. Go Eagles. Man, just just to end it on a different note, we got to thank Rusty for telling you guys my Twitter name because I always forget. So <laughs> thank you, Rusty. You guys can now find me and thrash me too, but Again, this has been a fun episode. Thanks, Lance. Thanks, Rusty. We're going to sign out. Go Eags. And you know what? Go Lumberjacks when they are playing anyone other than Eastern, especially Montana. <laughs>